Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Square Circle Podcast. And if you love listening to this podcast and want to consider making your own podcast, just download the Anchor app. Anchor allows you to make any type of podcast you want all in one place, all for your convenience. You might think that this has some strings attached. It does not. So let me explain what Anchor can do for you. It is currently free. Well, it's probably always going to be free. There's creation tools within Anchor that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. How easy is that? And then Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify Apple, and all major podcast programs. And you could also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It has everything you need in one place. Now all I need you guys to do is to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you guys. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Squared Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I am here to do a quick recap of A Dark Episode 8 when they were in Indianapolis. Um, it is just going to be me today for the podcast, so this is just going to be really short. And my insight, it is, after all, the holidays and everyone else is um, very, very, very busy. Um, so let's just get right into it. Um, a Dark uh premiered on november 20th so yeah we are going a month back um i know uh which had only four uh matches on the card and i just wanted to quickly talk about them the first opener of AEW dark is uh trent versus uh pentagon jr this one is actually a weird matchup um i'm all for like giving us different wrestlers facing each other that you never thought they would face each other. So sort of like dream matches and stuff like that. You know, I'm all for like dream matches. I just don't think that I can see Trent as a singles competitor at the moment because he does such a great job in the tag team division. Like him and Chuck Taylor and... um Orange Cassidy does a very great job as being best friends. And I believe that gimmick to the very end. Um, I do know that Trent was once like a singles competitor before he went back into being a tag team person. But this matchup between Trent and Pentagon Jr., I was really surprised. Um, Trent held his own. Luckily, it wasn't a squash match. I really don't like him when, you know, just because someone has a huge star power, like automatically it becomes a squash match as if the other guy doesn't have any tricks up his sleeve and stuff like that. And the same thing goes for women. That'd be a very good topic to be, to have like an insider look at the differences between like star power versus men, or I should uh, rephrase it as a uh, star power when it comes to men versus star power when it comes to women whenever they have, like, certain matches and matchups. Um, anyway, uh, I did like the fact that when Trent did the roll-through in Pentagon, just kicks him. That's a very unique type of offense to have. Um, and it shouldn't really be used um, as often, but it was really nice to see that uh, during the match. Um, and then... Pentagon doing the package power driver to Trent onto the apron. That 
uh, that deserved a holy shit moment as the fans had chanted during that match. Um, you know, everybody uses the ring apron. It is like the coolest thing to do. Um, and then I wrote down how the finish happened, which I'm just going to quickly go over it. So Pentagon does an arm breaker. Uh... And then he tries to do another package power driver, but somehow, like, Trent wills himself to counter that and does his finisher, which I don't remember what his finisher was. But um, that allows Trent to pick up the win. Now, I know earlier I was saying that I don't like it when a superstar or a wrestler that has a very huge star power, like Pentecost Jr. has, like, really huge star power. Everybody knows him, like, he's one of the best, whether he's single or in a tag team he is like one of the best wrestlers um and i know i said that i don't like it when someone of that star power automatically has a squash match what i didn't understand was why did trent get the win um you know i'm not one to really follow this whole Wins and, wins and losses matter in AEW. I'm just here to watch the product because I love the product and I believe in what AEW stands for. Um, but this one had, my, had me scratching my head as to, like, why did Trent win? Like, what does that really do for him in the long run when it comes to storytelling? Like, um, if... Trent would have lost to Pentagon Jr. Then it would have built up a story anyway because it seems like, you know, Pentagon Jr. is like enemy number one among the um, tag division anyway. Um, but then again, we could sort of see it as like Trent winning kind of infuriates Pentagon only because, you know, Pentagon knows that he's the best, so like he shouldn't really lose. And then to lose to someone like Trent in a way uh the story could be written there as you know Trent got the win a surprise victory over Pentagon and then Pentagon and Ray Phoenix goes after best friends and then we could see like a whole series of tag team matches with that or even singles matches and stuff like that um I don't remember if Trent faced uh Ray Phoenix and stuff like that um but yeah uh, Trent becomes our winner for this match. Um, it's just that sometimes when they put these matches together, I wonder if they think about, like, story. I do know that AEW thinks about the bigger picture and they think about long-term storytelling, which we barely have in the industry today. Um, so I wonder if that goes into effect when they choose, like, the really odd person that you wouldn't think will win, but then they get a surprise win. Um, it's not that big of a deal and I'm not trying to make it that big of a deal, but, you know, congratulations to Trent for winning against Pentagon Jr. Who is one of the baddest guys there is to wrestle. That's just my take on it. Um, so after Trent, we have our first women's match of AEW Dark, which is, uh, Shanna versus Big Swole. Um... They show a vignette. It's not really a vignette. They like a vignette promo um, of Shanna, and she explains her uh, history within the wrestling business. And I highly appreciate 
that video because I didn't even know anything about her. Um, she's like super cool on Twitter and, you know, she's a super cool person, but I didn't know anything about her. And then she explains her journey and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, so you were wrestling. Um, it's just that, you know, you're wrestling on the other side of the world. And then you finally came here to the States to get recognized. And she is really good. Um, she's really athletic. Um, you know, she's nimble. She could probably tell a really good story in the ring and stuff like that. Um, so I appreciated the video. I appreciated the background of Shanna. Now, when it comes to Big Swole, I'm just going to say it. I am not a fan. Um, it There's just something that's missing for me to to connect with her, to be like, all right, cool, I can get behind you. Um, I have seen her wrestle live at um, Shine, uh, when Shine would open up for Evolve uh, here in New York City and Queens. So I have seen her live. I do know her work. Um, I've seen her matches. Um, it just doesn't do it for me. Like, I understand... Her character is big swole and she has a swole mentality and that she does things, you know, beyond everything else. So before this match begins, big swole has her interview. And, you know, I think that if you're going to be a heel, you got to do it right. Um, and Chris Jericho is a huge example as to how to be a heel and the advice that he learned uh to you know never bury your opponent fully um should you know be applied to everything when you know you're a wrestler even if you're a baby face or a heel like the advice of don't bury your uh opponent because then you know you're gonna have nothing left to talk about your opponent. You're not going to have anything else to say. Like you can always praise them. And then in a douchey way. Bring them down again as being a heel. Um, so I just didn't really like the fact that. You know. Bixwell had been like. Oh boo hoo. You know. Um, tell her story in a very cocky egotistical way of her battling chronos disease and stuff like that and you know um that that could have been talked about in a different way um because it just seemed as if like you know she's the only one that had problems and chronos disease could be very uh difficult and probably on the brink of dying just because of how she explained it very briefly. Uh, but, you know, her promo just made it seem as if, like, no one else had any type of problems and whatnot. And, you know, I get it that, like, sometimes in this business, if you're a female, um, there are times where people are like, oh, you know, you look too fat. Um, so you have to lose weight. And sometimes that that messes with our mentality, like no matter what, you know what, it doesn't even have to be in this industry. It's life in general where like, you know, you don't meet a certain criteria because you're over a pound. So therefore you have to lose weight just to satisfy the requirement to get to what you need to get to to do what you need to do. And that takes a toll on 
women just because you know we're told we're not good enough that like we don't look the part you know camera adds like 10 pounds or like when you take a picture oh my god you know that didn't look like how you looked without being in front of the light and being exposed that way um and that's why we have photoshop to fix all that but big swole's whole promo to to shanna just totally disregarded uh you know her problems just to shine light on big swole's problems and how she overcame them but in a very egotistical way that came off more bitchy than heel and i might not win any favors with that comment but um that's just how i had interpreted that's how i saw it um just a little more tweaking could be really good because you know even though shanna was talking about her life and her years that she put into the professional wrestling business there was not once that came up in her mind about her opponent you know uh even though she's a huge baby face and the whole point of the package the video package was to tell who shanna was she could have easily slipped in there like oh yeah uh by the way, I'm facing such and such and, you know, whatever, say something from there. But, um, yeah, that's just my take on it. Um, when this match was happening, um, Shanna and Big Swole should have practiced earlier um, because obviously this, this looked like their first time meeting and there wasn't no... Um, smooth chemistry in it there wasn't nothing there where it felt like it was supposed to go without a hitch and I understand that every match really can't do that but like if you've been doing this for a while you should be able to at least carry the other opponent so that way it could look semi-flawless and there's no um like missteps on you know uh trying to remember what spot you have to do trying to remember that oh you're gonna throw me off the ropes and then you know i might have to do a drop down or you're gonna throw me off the ropes and we might clash and try to see who's you know stronger like that shoulder shoulder bump um it just looked like they didn't have enough time to prepare for each other to at least make it look like a seamless dance. And that's all we want. Like, that's all I want for the women's division, not only in AEW, but like in all the rest of the wrestling promotions that sometimes the women have to get together, start training together and sparring together and having practice matches together. So that way they can understand each other's movesets. They can understand each other's way of thinking and have like a flawless match. It doesn't have to be perfect. It could just be flawless where like, you know, it looks like a million bucks, but this match was a little cringy here and there. Um, what I did like though, was that, uh, Shanna does the double foot stomp to the back of, um, big swole uh no one really does that it looked dangerous but um that's sort of unique that has to be used sparingly because not every woman could take that and then the dragon suplex as a finisher for shana to uh win the match um that is right shana wins the match after doing the dragon suplex finisher um so that was the whole match of shana versus big swole uh, moving on to the second woman's match is 
Leva Bates, who is the librarian, um, versus Awesome Kong, and Awesome Kong has Brandy in uh, her corner. I tremendously am loving the whole Brandy and Awesome Kong uh, team up where Brandy controls Awesome Kong and they're doing this voodoo god gothic gimmick and it's really really great. I feel bad for Leva only because of you know she's a great wrestler. She's a great personality. I know she's having fun with the librarian gimmick but I really want to see her win. I want to see her and Peter Avalon win. Is that so hard to ask? I just want to see those two win. Um, this is a squash match. There's not really much to talk about. Amster Khan just flattens Leva or Leva and becomes the winner. And then Brandy cuts. Well, Brandy prepares to take Leva's hair and then Khan cuts it. And that's our second women's match. Um, then we have our main event, which is Kenny Omega versus Jack Evans. And there was people on Twitter who were grumbling about this match and saying that, why does Kenny always have to have like a 20-minute match? I mean, first of all, it's Kenny Omega. And then second, it is a 20-minute match of storytelling, sometimes storytelling. This one had storytelling. It just fell halfway through, and I will explain that. But other than that, like, the storytelling here just kind of fell. Um, so I used to watch Jack Evans wrestle back in the day. Um, I totally forgot, you know, who he was because he dropped off the wrestling scene, and I don't remember any other match that I've ever seen him. And then when he got signed to WWE, uh, ah, that's so wrong. Let me correct myself. This is all about AEW. <laughs> WWE should not really be mentioned. But um, when Jack Evans got signed to AEW, I was like, he sounds familiar. And, um, you know, he's one of the legends. He's one of the greats that I've watched and I was entertained by. And having him on the AEW brand is fun to watch. I just don't understand, you know, his tag team of the hybrid two of him and 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 helico uh i really don't understand that team but that could probably be talked about for another time uh we might have to well they might have to get a video package of jack evans and angelico um going because um i really don't know much as that but i do know that i miss jack evans wrestling i do that i do know that uh so this match Starts off kind of fun where, you know, it's it was starting to tell the tale of who can one up who. Uh, Jack Evans has a lot of speed and he's able to get out of stuff. And then, you know, with his breakdancing, he could definitely evade most of like Kenny Omega's moves. Um, Kenny is also quick. Um, I do not know what he did to upgrade his speed. I really don't. Someone needs to tell me what he did to upgrade his speed. Um so there was times where Kenny and Jack would be in the ring and Kenny will do a move and um, Jack would just get out of it and he did um, break dancing to get out of it, which I thought was pretty kind of fun. So 
at that moment in the beginning of the match, um, I thought it was going to be fun where it'll make sense, the story. But then throughout the match, it just wasn't happening. I did write some notes here, too. Um, so Excalibur on commentary uh, called the overhead gut wrench backbreaker a Canadian backbreaker. Do you know what it is to actually go Google something that, like, you should know what it is? Like, I've been watching wrestling my whole life. I'm in the industry, and, like, I did not know that it was called a Canadian backbreaker. I just thought Excalibur said that because Kenny is Canadian, and he's doing a move. Therefore, Canadian backbreaker because he's Canadian doing a move. Uh, I was just like, why would you say that? Can we just call it something else? And I also found out that Cabana did the same thing, except that it was called the Colt 45 as his finisher. And as I saw the picture, I was like, yeah, Colt really does do that as his finisher. Like, you know, Colt is fun to watch as well. Um, but Cabana is definitely not Canadian. So I just found that kind of weird. And I don't know if it's just me, but like the certain... There's things that Excalibur says on commentary that I'm just like, dude, really? Um, not to distract away from this match, but like, does every single suicide dive have to be called the Tope Suicida? Do we have to call it in Spanish just to like hide the English name? Like, I don't understand that. Or whenever someone flies over the top rope and it's like a Cornelio, which I'm probably saying it wrong. And you know, I'm half Spanish and I, you know, I suck at my Spanish. But, you know, does Excalibur really have to really, really have to call these moves by their Spanish name? What's the big deal about calling them by their regular English name that we all know? What's so hard about it? So back to this match, right? So after the whole Canadian backbreaker... Uh, there's a bunch of moves that, uh, you know, Kenny is hitting on Jack Evans. Kenny is delivering some high impactful moves that should be knocking you the fuck out. But Jack Evans is so resilient that he keeps kicking out of these moves. And I thought that it was brilliant because once again, it was going to be playing to the idea of who could one up who in the beginning of the match. However... This is where the storytelling falls off. And this is where I said in my head, you know, why is this match not done? And I understand that they have 20 minutes and they have to fill the 20 minutes. And I totally get that sometimes, you know, you want to pace yourself. Sorry, guys, um, that you have to pace yourself. However, every, I thought that like, you know, after a couple of high impact moves, Jack Evans would get up and Jack Evans would start like, a flurry of like punches kicks his own high impact moves his own speed just to knock Kenny off balance because that would have made sense you know like you got this sudden adrenaline rush so therefore you know you have to knock down your opponent and be like bro no matter what high impact you do to me I'm gonna do it to you and see if I can knock you out and get the one two three however that does not happen um because 
Jack kicked out so, 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 so many times out of these high-impact moves from Kenny, it hurt the story. It was just like, Kenny, I get it. You're in a dark place right now. Um, you lost to John Moxley during the Lights Out match. Um, you lost to Pac during your first meet um, by submission. I don't know who came out the victor in the second time that you faced Pac, but you know, eventually I'll watch it because I just have to. But the idea is there that you're in a dark place, and I totally get that. You want to hurt the wrestlers, and you want to prove to everybody that you know you can hang with people who are on the dark side. Let's just call it that. People who are on the dark side. People who's been doing these hardcore stuff for a while. Um, so, you know, doing all those high-impact moves hurts the story, hurts Jack Evans. So, uh, what do I have here? Oh, Kenny proceeds to do a Tiger Driver. Jack Evans kicks out. And then Kenny does the V-Trigger to stun Jack Evans, which makes perfect sense if you want to like get to one two three and then kenny does the ultimate finisher of the one winged angel on jack evans and that is the move to basically end the match one two three jack evans does not uh get up and kenny is the victor um it was a great match and I really think that um, we are going to be seeing probably a part two. Um, just because AEW loves doing part two some matches. Uh, just because I think that um, they don't have stories right away for like their guys and stuff like that. But um, overall, AEW Dark of episode eight was fun to watch. It was great to hear um, Sean Spears on commentary with Excalibur. It wasn't a bad episode um, and stuff like that, but that's my take on it. Um, I'm never going to have the best opinions that everyone can be like, yeah, you know, um, I'm just going to have opinions about how I feel about things just based on what I saw um, and how I feel about it. Uh, so yeah, guys, I want to thank you for listening to this whole entire podcast episode. Remember that you are listening to the Square Circle Podcast hosted by Marie Shadows. This is episode nine of the Square Circle Podcast. Um, and this is on Anchor. It, it, is, it is on Spotify. It is on Apple. Um, look out for episode 10 which will be the the other review of AEW Dark Episode 9. Um, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. Share it, comment. Anchor gives you a unique feature. Anchor allows you to send voice messages to me and to the team. We will listen to it. We will probably play it on a future episode. So if you guys want your voices heard or if you guys have a comment that you guys want to share or suggest in anything that can help out the podcast or just talk about wrestling in general, make sure to leave us a voice message via Anchor and that will help us. That's just like simple support, uh, which we all jo enjoy and love. And we love the fact that you guys listen to this, you guys share it, and we could just talk about wrestling because that's just all of our passion here. 
Um, other than that, again, this is a Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you in a future episode.